Good morning. Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And we're going to be finishing up the rest of the book in Timothy. So 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 9, it says, Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica, Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke was with me. Get Mark and bring him with me, for he is useful for me, useful to me for ministry. And Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I have left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the, carp, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must be aware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that the message might be fully preached, might be preached fully through me, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the, word will de- and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Anisiphorus. Oh, Erastus stayed in Corinth, but Trophimus I have left in Miletus sick. Do your utmost to come before winter. Eubulus greets you, as well as Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brethren. The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. So at first glance in this passage, there is, it seems that there is a, a couple of disconnected thoughts. And it's a bunch of uh, random uh, words and phrases and um, remarks to Timothy, closing remarks. And it's like, what, what good is this section for us? And it could be easy to just glance over the section and say, okay, let's slip, flip to the next page and read Titus. But, however, we should be careful when we look at the Word of God to look at all of the Word of God. Because um, when, we should, when we read the Word of God, we should, we should have questions in our minds. Why, why does he say that? Why is this even here? Uh, what, what purpose did God put this in here? What was the reason he put it in here for? We want to ask questions to understand it better, not to undermine the scripture and say, you know, why did God put that there? It's, it's more of what reason is it? Digging in and trying to understand what purpose he had um, for this. And we learned just a few weeks ago that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means it's, uh, it's all profitable, all inspiration, uh, it's, been, it's all inspired of God, all scripture is the very word of God, which means that it all serves a purpose. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> so, as we look at this section, we want to ask questions. You know, why did he include this part? Why, did, why, is, why is this important to us? What can we gain? What kind of applications can we learn from all these different characters that we see here? And there, there are quite a lot of applications we can learn. If you look at these last 14 verses in here, there are actually... A number of characters, and from my count, I counted 20 different people in this section, if you include 
Paul and Timothy and the Lord Jesus Christ, there's 20 different people. And it doesn't include even the groups. You have groups of people um, and uh, the household of Nisiphorus. So there's, there's many different people in here and different characters that we're going to look at. And we see a group of people, um, two different groups. We see the faithful people and unfaithful people. We see people that are committed and those who are uncommitted to the Lord. And the first one I want to look at is, is the writer of this passage. It's Paul. Paul, the, the apostle of Jesus Christ. One of the things I wanted to ask is, what if this letter just ended right here in verse 8, where he finishes saying, you know, I've, I've fought the good fight, I've run the good race, and then finally a crown is laid up for me in heaven, and it just ended with a salutation to, to Timothy and said, that was it. What, what would we be missing if we didn't have this last section? Well, I think there's an incredible amount of insight that we, that we gain from this. You know, Paul is sitting in, is, uh, sitting in a cell, a prison cell, writing this letter to Timothy. And he is waiting certain death. He's going to be soon executed for his faith and for his belief in Jesus Christ. And last week, Sam preached on a familiar passage to all of us, the, the fight the good fight, you know, finish the race. I have finished the race. And those were some of the final words that Paul wrote. And he most likely didn't write any other epistles than this after this. So when we come to the end of the, the life, we see Paul writing a letter to his son in the faith, and he's passing the baton onto him. And now he's given us insight into this is what's going on behind the scenes. This is what's happening. Here's a current situation that I've been facing with, and let me get you up to date with that. Here's some of the people that are, what's happening with some of the people. Um, and here's some people that have harmed me and some people who have been good to me in my ministry. So Paul urges Timothy in the beginning to come to him diligently. He hurry, says, Timothy, hurry up and come see me. Because for one, there's probably not much time since Paul realizes this is the end of his life. So he wants, he wants Timothy to come to see him. He wants him to, um, he cares so much about Timothy and he wants to, to be able to see him one last time before he departs. The next thing is that Timothy um, was a faithful minister at Ephesus, and he was now burdened with carrying the gospel. He was going to be the next runner-up to Paul, and uh, it, was, it was in Paul's best interest to carefully pass that baton on to Timothy. And it's interesting what, what it says in verse 10. It says that, well, he says first, be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me. And it's almost as if, come to me soon because Demas has abandoned me. Because he's left me, I need you. I need you to come to me quickly. And it appears that Demas has kind of left a huge gap that needed to be filled. He was in a position of doing ministry for the Lord, and, and he has, for some reason, he has left. And I wanted to spend some time about talking about Demas, an unfaithful worker, unfaithful to the Lord. It says about Demas, it says that he has forsaken me 
having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica. We, we know a few things about Demas. Uh, in other epistles, there's, he's, he's mentioned a few times. Um, in Colossians, it says that uh, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. And then in Philemon, it says that Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Jesus Christ, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. So Demas was one of the was one of the men that was alongside of Paul. He was one of the fellow laborers, one of the fellow workers with Paul. He had been a companion and been with him in, in part of his journeys and his preaching and teaching. And now all of a sudden, he has left, he has abandoned Paul. He has given up and forsaken him. He's pretty much left him hopeless, left him in in dire need, and went back to his hometown. And it was because the reason why he left was because he loved this present world. He loved this present world. There's no detailed reason, but it's the only reason that's given is that he, he loved this present world more than he loved the Lord. And it's a, it's a really sad commentary on the, on the life of a, of a person who began serving the Lord faithfully. And then it abruptly ended because his love for the world was greater than his love for God. In 1 John, it, 1 John 2, it says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. When I read the phrase, having loved this present world, I'm reminded of a song. Um, it's a song by Jeremy Camp called Let It Fade. And I was introduced to the song shortly after I became a Christian um, by another believer. And one of the phrases that it says says, have you helped yourself to everything that's empty? And the chorus says, let this old life crumble, let it fade. Let this new life offered be your saving grace. To me, the point was clear. I had spent much of my life loving this world, much of my life being involved in this world and the things of it, enjoying all sorts of sin, the drinking, the immorality, drugs, sex, stealing, all of those things. And I was helping myself to everything that was empty, everything that the world had to offer. I loved it. But then when I became a Christian, I wanted it to fade away. I didn't love those things anymore. I loved the Lord more than I loved the things of the world. And I wanted it to fade away. I wanted to forget those things and to, to look forward Then another verse says, in the, in the song, another verse says, Have you been holding on to what this world has offered? Have you been giving in to all these masquerades? It will be gone. It will be gone. It's a truth that's so easily forgotten from us. We, we, we don't realize sometimes we, that the world will eventually be gone. This world will not last. And we consume our time and our interests and our priorities um, 
with this world and the things of it, and we lose sight of eternity. And the, the, the word of God is clear. He says, it says that the, the, the world is passing away and the less of it are going away. You know, don't you know that it's going to be all burned up? That's what Peter, Peter says in 2 Peter 3.10. He says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you, be, ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth which righteousness dwells. All of these things that we care about, the things that we own, if you think about all the possessions that you have, what are those things that you, that you own? You won't own those things anymore. Your car, your house, your, your, um, any things that you, you, you find valuable. Electronics will be gone. Even the things of the world, the movies, the Netflix, the Hulus and the YouTube, all that will be gone. Social media, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, that's all going to be gone. It's not going to last forever. And the, and the world values, the system, the world system values is also going to be gone. And so I would enc- I encourage believers here to, sometimes we can easily fix our eyes in a tunnel vision. We can be like, like we're walking with a cell phone and we're just staring at that, but we forget what else is going on around us. But we also, we can lose sight of eternity in that sense. We can be so focused on this world, this present world that's here, and lose sight and forget to look up that we're going to be spending life somewhere else than here. It's going to be an eternity in heaven with him. And that's what the sad truth what happened with Demas is that he loved this present temporary world more than he loved the Lord. And he's, he's the exact opposite of a person who love, would love the Lord's appearing, as we learned last week. Demas was an unfaithful man. How should we live knowing that these things are all going to pass away? What manner of life, what manner of conduct and godliness should we have? And so, for some reason, he gave up, whether it was the persecutions that came up, and he, he'd rather be part of this world than, and sit in the luxury of his home than to actually face strict and harsh persecution. Whatever it is, he, he let the world, the cares of the world consume him. And it's one of the things that can hinder your, your life, can Hinder your life of faithful service to God. And now we're going to look at some other examples, some faithful examples. And these are examples that we want to follow. We want to, we want to live, model, our life, model our life after. When I was in high school, I was part of the drama crew. And each year, our school would put on a play. And so my, my job, my duties were to, to work in the backstage. Either, I would either help with the sounds 
or building some props for the stage. Um, and then during the performance, I'd be backstage with a microphone or helping some of the actresses and actors getting ready for the show. Um, and in a, um, in, a, in, a, in a drama or in a drama, um, uh, in, a, in a production like that, in a show, you have, um, you have the main actors. You have those, those who are, who are the, uh, those who are easily seen by everybody in the, um, in the, by the audience. Everybody sees those prominent people. And there are, there are those who um, work behind the scenes that the, um, like go unnoticed. And there are, there are many people who, there, on, the, on the crew that I worked on, there were many people who, um, who helped behind the scenes and, and really made those people who were, were the actors um, do their job, do their necessary job. And so in a similar sense, you have Paul, who is a prominent figure. But in the, in the background, behind the scenes, there are many people who are working tirelessly, endlessly, um, and helping him in his ministry, in different aspects of his ministry. And so even if you're not a Paul, the next Paul, you could be the next Crescens, or the next Titus, um, the next Luke. And helping somebody helping a, um, a missionary or helping a preacher or helping anybody um, in that regard. So, so in, this, in this next section, in these other characters, we're going to get an insider look at to the, uh, the behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. So first we have Crescens. He says that he sent Crescens for Galatia and Titus for Dalmatia. And it almost sounds like these guys were also part of Demas, and he also, they also forsake, forsook the world, forsook Paul. And, um, but it's, these, these men are not spoken of negatively. And so you have Christians who probably was just was sent to Galatia, and Titus was sent to Dalmatia. Now, there's not much more said about uh, Crescens, but it is um, interesting to note that this man was sent to Galatia, which was a, which was a very difficult uh, church to to go to it was a it was a um, and which shows uh, Crescent's character. It really shows of um, that he's a um, that he was a strong spiritual man um, to go to to be to be trusted to be sent to to be sent to Galatia in that sense. And Titus went to Dalmatia, another faithful man. Then it says, only Luke is with me. Now that one shouldn't be taken negatively like, well, we had Demas, he left us. The other two went to two different places and all I've got is Luke. You know, you don't ever want to be stuck with Luke. He isn't saying, he isn't saying that at all. He's saying Paul could count on Luke. He could depend on him. He was a co-laborer with Paul and he was a personal companion throughout his ministry. And Luke was in it for the long haul. And he was going to stick close by Paul. Are you dependable? Can others count on you to be there for them in these circumstances? Luke was that kind of guy. Luke was known by Paul as the beloved physician. And so throughout his ministry, 
it's likely that Luke treated Paul in his physical ailments and his sufferings that he went through with beatings and stuff like that. I'm sure that he um, doctored him back to health. And as a, as a physician who could probably be making so much more money in the, in the real world, Luke felt that it was important enough to spend it alongside of Paul, that he could have been making a lot more money. But he decided to use his professional skills and aid a minister of Christ. He had an eternal perspective, not an earthly one. And next we come to Mark. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful for me for ministry. I'm so glad that Mark is mentioned here. Because if you, if you know the story behind Mark and what had gone on in the past, you'll really appreciate it. The story starts out with Paul and Barnabas who traveled to Jerusalem to deliver some uh, aid to the, to the believers there. And they pick up Mark, John Mark, along the, while they're there. And as they get back home, the Holy Spirit directs Paul and Barnabas and sets them out to go on their first missionary journey. And they bring Mark with them. So they go to the island of Cyprus. They sail to the island of Cyprus. They're there for, you know, in one city. Then they travel to the next one. And as soon as they leave that island and go back to the next one, Mark abandons them. He, he goes back home to Jerusalem. And it doesn't say why he went back home, but he didn't finish because they ended up going and doing a couple more stops in different cities. Mark gave up the work, and he whether he was overwhelmed with the difficulty or he, had weak, he was weak in the faith, he couldn't go on any longer. Now you fast forward to the end of their ministry and then Paul is saying, okay, I want to go back and revisit all the places in the churches and see how they're doing. And Barnabas is like, okay, well, let's bring Mark with us. And Paul's like, no way. Don't, do you remember what he did to us last time? And there became such a contentious friction between the two of them that Paul took another guy, Silas, and went and did his trip, and Barnabas took Mark. Paul no longer wanted to take the chance with Mark. He couldn't handle the first trip, so why would he be good this next trip? Mark was unfaithful, so Paul had written him off. How often can we react like Paul? We think, I can't believe that person just did that. They just, they just ruined what they did. What were they thinking? How are they ever going to be effective for the Lord now? Do we often ever give up hope for people and never um, give them leeway for their mistakes? Unfortunately, both of them were forced to separate. You know the song R-E-S-B-E-C-T, Respect, by Aretha Franklin? Well, I think all you need is a little bit of respect, right? Well, I don't know if this will really fit to the tune, but I think Mark just needs a little E-N-C-O-R-U-A-G-M-E-N-T, encouragement. He just needs a little encouragement. Instead of leaving Mark behind and going with Paul again, Barnabas took Paul, Barnabas took John Mark and came alongside him. He was true to his name, son of encouragement. You know, Barnabas could have looked at Mark and thought, you know, he's no good. He's, he's not in it. He's not useful in any way. He's already proven to be a coward and a failure before, and he's given up, so 
Why should I get involved? But no, he, instead he, he looked at Mark and he, was, he saw the potential in him. He saw that he needed encouragement. He needed exhortation. And so he came alongside and he ministered to him and he discipled him. And Barnabas was so effective that Mark grew over the years. And he became very useful. And you have now Paul specifically asking for Mark, get Mark, for he is useful for me for ministry. Wow. Paul recognized Mark had grown and he would be useful to Paul. And it's wonderful to see the restoration between Mark and Paul again. It's encouraging to know that the Lord can restore you to an effective ministry if you failed him. You may have given up. You may have departed for a time. But the Lord wants to restore you to an effective ministry, to be a faithful servant. And just like Peter, who denied the Lord three times before the Lord was going to be crucified, the Lord came alongside him and restored him too. And as Christians, we, we should look to be encouragers too, just like Barnabas. There may be fellow believers just like Mark, who are weak in the faith, who are struggling. We shouldn't give up hope for them, but should look at how we can go about encouraging that saints, coming alongside them and really encouraging them to be useful for the Lord. Do you know that you may be exactly what that person needs to be effective for the Lord again. You may just be exactly what that person needs. So far, we've seen men who have been not faithful, like Demas, but we've also seen the faithful men, Christians and Titus and Luke, and now Mark. And we have a few more faithful men who are behind the scenes and instrumental in Paul's life. So we have Tychicus, and Tychicus is mentioned a few times in the other epistles. In Ephesians 6.21, it says that, but, you, but that you also know, that you almost all may know my affairs and how I am doing. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make all things known to you. So we know that he's a brother in the Lord and he's been serving the Lord, but we also know that he will make all things known to you. That means he is probably one of the men that, was aiding Paul and sending those letters that he was writing to those churches and then telling those people, either the individuals or the church, all about what's going on with Paul. Tychicus was a faithful minister. And now he was going to go to Ephesus, and that's where Timothy's at. And so he is sending Tychicus to Ephesus, which will probably be Paul's or Timothy's replacement at Ephesus while Timothy leaves to go and visit Paul. But Tychicus was a man of God who was used to bring the word of God to people, to, to bring the word of God to individuals. And how important is that, to have men who bring the word of encouragement, to bring the word of God to, to others? Carpus says that bring the cloak that I have left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. Now some have asked about this section right here. What could I possibly 
gained from knowing about Paul's cloak at, at Carpus, or that was left at Carpus, or with Carpus at Troas. What could I possibly gain from that? Well, first of all, it's wintertime, and so Paul is probably very cold. He doesn't have very much to wear. He probably doesn't have money to go buy a coat. Like, we could just go to the store and buy another coat. He probably doesn't have any money to do that. So winter's coming, and he's got a, he's got a cloak that, it's probably his only cloak that he has, and now he needs it for the winter time. But we also know that this brother was also um, used many times as a, as a person who would um, house believers in their trips. And Timothy, sorry, Paul was one of the men who would stay at his house during his missionary trips. And you see that a couple times in Acts. So it's important. Um, he showed hospitality. He opened up his home for, for, for uh, Paul, for the missionary. And how important is that too, to have men and women to open up their homes to house missionaries, to house preachers and other believers who need a place to stay. And he also, he also asked for books and parchments. And in his old age, even as he approaches death, he's still wanting to learn. He's still wanting to have books to learn. And those books could have been, um, could have been anything, but most likely it, would have been the, it could have been Old Testament scripture for him to continue studying. Even when he's on the, the brink of death, he still wants to, he still desires to learn and still desires to study the word of God, wanting to keep himself busy reading and writing the parchments that he had to send probably more letters out to other people, to the believers in the churches. Next we come to Alexander the coppersmith. And Alexander the coppersmith may have been the same, same man who shipwrecked the faith over in uh, 1 Timothy. We don't know for sure because that name is popular. But the fact is that he was harming Paul's ministry. Not only did he not believe the gospel, but he also took it upon himself to make Paul's life miserable. And given the, the following verse, it's likely that Alexander was, was falsely testifying against Paul. He may have even reported Paul to the authorities and said, and, and had him arrested and tried on court. And Paul's warning Timothy, avoid this man in case you run into him. Even today, Christians can get in the way of, of doing other saints who are faithful, who are getting in the way of other saints who are faithfully serving the Lord. Do you ever find yourself undermining the work of God or hindering the work of God in any way? If you are, then we, we ask that you please stop and then look for ways that you can help. But, Paul, but uh, yeah, Alexander the Coppersmith, he greatly resisted their words. He, he greatly hurt his work wherever he was at. Yet at his first offense, when, uh, when Paul was on, taken and put into, into trial, his first offense, there was other unfaithful men. All who were with Paul at that time forsook him. 
No one stood with me, but all forsook him. But yet the Lord, but yet Paul doesn't say that it, uh, but yet Paul says in, so graciously, may it not be charged against them. Even when they abandoned Paul when he needed them the most. It's interesting that Paul has a heart of forgiveness already. He forgives them and he, he prays that it wouldn't even be charged against their account. And it's, and it's like the Lord who, who, how the Lord deals with us as well. Yet when we look at these unfaithful examples of Alexander and Demas and, and all those believers who forsook Paul, we look at one who is always faithful. We look at the Lord Jesus Christ. Even when no one stood with Paul, the Lord is faithful. Paul gives praise to the Lord for being faithful. He, he gave Paul the strength to preach the word when he was on trial, the Lord gave him a great opportunity to speak to the Gentiles there. You know, at a time like this, when you're being on trial for something that is illegal or that the reason why you're on trial is because of the things you're saying, the last thing you'd want to do is say those things. You know, you'd rather be, I wish I was at home and just on my couch and eating chips and watching a TV show right now. But... But Paul looked at it as, this is a great opportunity. I've got, I've got an audience here. Why don't I just tell them? <laughs> like, this, is, this is a great, great opportunity he had. And he looked at every opportunity in life when he, when he met people to, to share the gospel. And he's really living out what he even said just a few verses earlier, to preach in season and out of season. And boy, this was definitely out of season. And the Lord was gracious to him. And he delivered him during this trial. And he delivered him from the, the mouth of the lion. And it goes on to say that the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his kingdom, his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. This means that the Lord would prevent Paul from denying him. That the, Paul, that the Lord would preserve him from um, from recanting his faith, from, from giving up and just abandoning the faith. The Lord had strengthened him over the years and he had fought the good fight. He had finished the race and kept the faith. And the Lord was going to preserve him for eternity as well. God promised Paul, well, he promises Paul and, every, and any believer who has put their faith in him that he will preserve him Preserve them for his heavenly kingdom. In John 6.39, it says, This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all that he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. What more can we say than to him be glory forever and ever? Amen? And that's what we're going to be doing for all of eternity is praising the Lord for all that he's done. And... I'm very grateful and so glad that the Lord is faithful and true to all of his promises. Even all men can be unfaithful. The Lord is always faithful to his promises. Finally, we come to a few other faithful men and women. Prisca and Aquila, 
They were godly men who served with Paul in Corinth, and they opened up their homes for the meetings of the church and showed hospitality. And years later, Paul is writing this letter, and they're still going on for the Lord. They have continued faithful in their service to the Lord. And then Anisiphorus, he was mentioned in 2 Timothy, the earlier, earlier in the book, about a man who refreshed Paul and sought him out when others had forsaken him. Others had abandoned him. Phygelus and Hermogenes had turned from him, and all the, all the others in Asia had, had just had left him. Yet Anisiphorus was not ashamed of his chains and sought him out to encourage him. In Erastus and Trophimus, Trophimus, he left in Miletus sick. It's interesting to note that even, even the Apostle Paul, who had the gift of healing, didn't heal Trophimus. It could be that the, the gift was either fading away or that the gift was really only used to, to show the Jews, the unbelieving Jews, as a sign to believe the gospel. And so it wasn't really used as a personal, personal gain, but it was, it was more to, to show the Jews. And then you have a group of people, Eubulus, Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brethren. And they say that, and he says that they all greet him. And now these names must have been an encouragement to Timothy because he would have known each of these brothers and sisters in the Lord. And it's comforting to know that in your service to the Lord, you are not alone. Even though who we, we don't know who these believers are, they are recorded as believers who are well acquainted with Paul and Timothy. It's good to surround your life with other believers who are faithful and committed to serving the Lord. So now we come to the end where Paul gives his final salutation and farewell. And as we look at all the people who have been mentioned and all the examples that we've, we've seen of faithful men and unfaithful men, they're, they're really just short descriptions here of their life. Just short one-line sentences and maybe not even that much. These men and women are named in Scripture forever, whether good or bad. You have Demas who forsook Paul. And you have Alexander who harmed Paul in his ministry. And unfaithful people who abandoned Paul when he needed him the most. They're, they're named forever in Scripture, whether they lived a faithful life or not. But imagine if the Lord was to write one line or one sentence for your life. What would that sentence say? Would it tell of your faithfulness to the Lord? I hope so. How do you want to be remembered? How do you want to be memorialized in Scripture for all eternity, if that was the case? If you were to be memorialized in Scripture, what would it say about you? Paul never retired as a Christian. He, he pressed on faithfully year after year and month after month. He was able to come to the end of his life and see that he finished the race well. He never stopped. He never gave up. And I love verse 8 in chapter 4. It says, Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. It's like, 
a runner who's running a marathon, who finally passes the finish line and just, you know, passes right past it. David's run a marathon, 26 miles. That's a long time to be running. And after you've run mile after mile and endured the, the and just endured mile after mile, the, the, the aches and pains and the, the exhaustion that you go through. And when you pass the finish line, it's such a relief and you, you pass it and you're like, finally, I'm done. Paul had finally run the race. He had finished. He had run the race well. He was faithful till the end. Can you say the same about your life today? Have you been faithful to the end? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning and the examples in Scripture, Lord, of people who we, we can avoid and character we can run from. Lord, and we, we see lives of faithful men who have served you and pressed on throughout their lives, Lord. We, we pray that our lives would be, would be faithful service to you, Lord. Um, Lord, we, we just we pray for anybody here that um, has maybe been like a Mark who started out strong and then failed, Lord, and, and had run into difficulties. Lord, we pray that you might encourage that person, Lord, Help us to find people like that, that we can encourage ourselves, Lord, to, to press on, to, to finish the race strong. Lord, we, we pray that we would endure to the end, Lord, and look with an eternal perspective. Lord, look, not loving this present world, not loving the things of this world and all that is in it, Lord, but looking at eternity and how we're going to spend eternity with you. We pray that we would um, get our eyes focused on you and and, um, and eternity with you, Lord. We just pray and ask these things for this week that you might uh, change our hearts and our minds, Lord, in our, in our thinking, Lord, this week. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.